0: good good morning welcome to church yeah let's celebrate it's a good day to be in church Um, if you are watching us online or at our South Augusta campus we just want to say welcome can we welcome those who are watching us digitally and our South Augusta campus we're so glad And um, today is November 1st, but around um, the country, the month of October is Pastors Appreciation Month, and can we celebrate our pastors, Marty and Patty, just the work they do in our community and the faithful service they have um, given to our church over the last 33 years. So um, we are in week three of Like a Flood, week three of Like a Flood, uh, week one we talked about Uh, salvation, and week two we talked about the blessings of God, and we've really been walking through this book of Galatians, and this week we're going to Galatians 5, so if you have your Bibles, turn or click with me to Galatians chapter 5, starting at the 16th verse, Galatians chapter 5. Uh, starting at verse 16 and it reads, so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Go down to verse 19 with me. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I want to talk to you for a few moments about uh, God's Spirit coming like a flood. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. For this opportunity, I pray that you would empower your preacher and give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you would say in Jesus name. Amen. Uh, so I was reading the other day and I came across this story about the end of uh, towards the end of World War II, And there was this pilot who was given this mission to fly over one of the most hostile parts of Germany. He was given this mission to fly a B-17 bomber, and he knew that it was going to be difficult. In fact, when he went over the mission details, he realized he couldn't see a way of him surviving. But he followed his orders and flew, and lo and behold, he was getting shot from left and right. But something interesting happened. His plane was not blowing up. There was even a direct shot to the fuel tank, yet still his plane did not blow up. So when he landed the plane after finishing his mission with curiosity, he went out and opened up the shells of the the missiles that were fired at his his plane. And he opened them up to find that they were empty. All of them were empty except for one. One had a little note in there. It was written in Polish. And when translated, it said, this is the best we can do for now. Uh, What they came to find out is that... uh, In the German factories, the military factories, there were some Polish dissenters, uh, this underground group, who instead of loading the shells and the artillery with ammunition, they kept them empty. And here's the whole point. The pilot did not know how he was going to survive, but he had uh, help from the inside. And if you don't hear anything else today, I need you to understand that you may not know how or when it's gonna work out. You don't even understand how you're gonna defeat the fight, uh, the battle. that you're facing, but I need you to know that you've got help on the inside, that God has sent his spirit, his spirit is with you, he is for you, and you have help on the inside to face whatever you are facing today. This is the message of Galatians chapter 5. This is what Paul is trying to explain to the individuals here in, this, uh, uh, in Galatia. He was telling them that, yes, you are finding yourself in difficulty, but you have help. You are trying to find freedom. You're trying to find victory, but there is good news. There is help. In verse 1 and 2, he begins to explain the battle, the fight, and where we get find ourselves in verse 16, he is showing them that there is help. There's help on the inside. And the truth of the matter, God is continually, and we have said this each and every week, but God wants to flood our lives with his truth, so that we can be changed forever. There is noise on the left and the right of us. There are other people trying to speak other words, but the truth of the matter is God's word is greater than every other thing, every other word that is spoken, and he wants to flood our lives with his truth so we can be changed forever. And the truth of today is that God's spirit has come like a flood. Not to pick sides, but to take over. To transform us from the inside out. This is the message Paul is saying to the church of Galatia in that day, and it is the message that is echoing today for us. That his spirit has come to change our lives for the better and change our lives for the good and for his glory. There are four things that I believe are important for us to see in this text that will help us walk out and really embrace God's spirit like a flood. Here's the first thing is that the Holy Spirit guides our lives. The Holy Spirit guides our lives. Uh, Notice what he, he begins to present this argument here, and he says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. I need you to understand that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. He has somewhere that he wants to take you, things that he desires to do in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you to these places. In the midst of confusion, in the midst of all sorts of uh, um, chaos, God's Spirit wants to guide our lives. In John chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus is explaining to his disciples as he is about to depart that he's not going to leave them by themselves, that he is going to send someone. And in verse 13, the first part of it, he says, and when he, the spirit of truth, other words, the Holy Spirit has come, he will guide you into all truth. And God has a specific assignment for your life. He has a specific thing that he wants to do in your world. He wants to guide you to particular places in order to fulfill the destiny and purpose that he has on your life. The truth of the matter is that God does not or God's spirit does not guide us where we want to go, but he guides us where we need to go. Scripture is full of unique circumstances that don't make sense to us. Where we would want to go one way, oftentimes God wants to take us a different way. Because God is intentional about taking us to where we need to go and not where we want to go. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, we uh, see Jesus after uh, God has opened up the heavens and said, this is my beloved son and who I am well pleased. You would think this is the moment that Jesus begins to introduce himself to the world, but it is in that moment that it says the spirit guides him into the wilderness. In the book of 1 Samuel, after David is anointed king, you would think this is the moment that David rises up and this is his hour. But scripture tells us he goes back into the shepherd field. Many times the direction and the guidance of God doesn't make sense in our world, but it is necessary for the accomplishment of his purpose in our lives. This was true in my own story. Uh, somebody sent me a picture yesterday, and I think we have it up on the screen, Uh, sent me a picture of me and my dad. Yeah, that's me, that sharp looking man. That's probably the last time I wore a suit on church. Um, It's been a while. No, um, they sent me this picture, and um, I was reminded of the context. What this uh, picture shows you, my dad is on the keyboard, and I'm holding the offering plate, praying in front of people. But what the this picture doesn't tell you is the backdrop of this. I was about 12 years old, and my dad was like the fix-it pastor. When some church was in trouble, they would send him there, and he would uh, help stabilize it or um, help guide them through the difficulty and navigate all those things. And when they, he got the call to go to this particular church, he said, you guys can either stay at your home church or you can come with me. And my siblings stayed, and I I just felt urged to go with him to this place, to go with him to this difficult uh, situation. It wasn't something that was comfortable, but it felt like I'm supposed to be there. There are about 20 people in the congregation at this place. It was a small place. But it was not necessarily where I wanted to go, but it was what was needed for my life. You see, in that past year, I had some of the Two of the most traumatic things in my life. The first one, I still haven't gotten over yet. Uh, My mom made us sing at this event at church and it was a big crowded event and I was going through puberty at the time and when I went to hit a note instead of my voice cooperating, it hit some other note and it cracked and everybody laughed at me and uh, if you could imagine, I turned bright red through all of this melanin. I still turned bright red and in that moment... I still haven't been gotten over this. This is why I don't sing till this day. Y'all pray for me. I'm being delivered even now. But I wouldn't sing again. And then in that same year, I was asked to pray at church, and my knees were shaking, and I was so nervous I forgot my words, and I walked away from the podium, and somebody had to finish my prayer. And I never said it out loud, but internally I said, I'm not cut out to speak publicly. I'm not someone who is gifted in this area, so I'm going to quit and give up on those dreams. Yet God's spirit at a young age prompted me to follow my dad here. And in the safety of 20 encouraging people, I got up and prayed for an offering. And in that moment, what I didn't know is God knew the plans that he had for me later. And he took me to a place where he could restore my confidence so I could stand on a stage like this and declare his words. And what I want to tell you is that it may not make sense to you now, but God is working in your life. God is allowing and guiding you and pushing you and prompting you to places that may be uncomfortable for you, but they are necessary for your destiny. What the Spirit is doing, He is not guiding you to a, a life of comfort. He is guiding you to a life of fulfilling purpose. And some of you are frustrated right now Because you don't understand where you are. And the word of the Lord for you today is God is guiding you to places that are necessary for your destiny. And some of those places are waiting rooms. Some of those places are difficult job circumstances. Some of those places don't feel good. But the promise of scripture is that they will work out for our good. God's Spirit has come to guide us, to guide our lives. Not only does God's Spirit guide our lives, but it guards our lives. This is what the Scripture is encouraging us. He's, he's saying, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives so that you don't do what your sinful nature craves. The Holy Spirit is like a ring doorbell. It is alerted to the presence Of things that are trying to show up in your life and it alerts you as it approaches and it alerts you when it rings your doorbell the holy spirit wants to guard your lives what is it guarding you from verse 19 expresses this clearly he says he's guarding you from sexual immorality impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Here's what Pastor Marty says like this all the time, that we need to get the junk out of our lives. And what the Holy Spirit will do is guard the junk from getting in your life. Scripture says it like this, that he will raise a hedge of protection around you. Another place, Scripture says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. See, he has come to guide and also guard our lives. He has come to protect That which belongs to him, and you belong to God. He's come to guard you from things that are detrimental to your purpose and destiny. And Paul, I didn't read these verses, but verse 17 and 18, he understood the difficulty of these moments, he understood the struggle of these seasons. And in guarding our lives, the Holy Spirit helps us. Romans 8 and 26 says it like this that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We all have a propensity towards or proclivity towards sin, but the Holy Spirit is guarding our lives and where we are weak, where we are vulnerable. Romans 8 and 26 tells us that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Robert Morris wrote a book called The God I Never Knew. And a lot of times we are grateful for God the Father, God the Son, but we miss the blessing of God the Holy Spirit. It comes to guide our lives and guard our lives. The other thing that The Holy Spirit has come to do as the Holy Spirit cultivates growth in our lives. He develops us. He nurtures us. He helps perform that which God intends to do in our lives. You see, because God calls you righteous before you ever are. God calls you son and daughter before you ever become what he declares about you. But the Holy Spirit is the one who fills in the gap to take you from where you are to where God has prepared and declared for you to be. And Paul lays out this argument in very clear ways. He says, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Here are the, the bad things if you are led by your flesh. But here are the places that the Holy Spirit prompts growth in our lives. Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the areas that the Holy Spirit is trying to develop and nurture and cultivate in our lives. But the truth of the matter is growth requires change and change is often difficult. Uh, you know, when it comes to change, many of us are like my three-year-old. Um, my wife is 13 months pregnant and so she normally puts our son to bed. And so, I mean, when you're 13 months pregnant, you, you get a day off um, and so I was putting our son to bed, and we have a nightly routine, and my son does not like change. And so this night, I am going through the routine, but then we get to the part where we sing, You Are My Sunshine, and you know, I'm trying to jazz it up a little bit, and in the midst of trying to sing, he said, Nope, Daddy, that's not how you sing that. That's not how you sing that. that don't shake your head, Daddy. Don't shake your head when you sing it. Mommy doesn't do that when she sings that song. And a lot of times, this is how we treat change. Mm Mm-mm, nope. And the reality is, because we have gotten comfortable with one thing, we are not open to the new thing. And what God likes to do sometimes in our lives is strip away the things that we depend on and we find comfort in, in order to prompt us and propel us to the things that he has next for us. And if we are not willing to follow him obediently, he will allow us to follow him begrudgingly. Um, I like to tell this story of uh, my call to ministry often. And it's, um, I never intended to be a pastor or a preacher. My dad and my grandfather, they're pastors and preachers. And I just said, Lord, I'm going to be a really good member. But yeah. Yeah. I see how they treated my daddy and my granddaddy and not Stevens Creek because y'all are wonderful. But in other places, it's just not always as sweet as this. And I said, God, that's not what I want to do for my life. In sophomore year of college, the the Lord began to wrestle with me and the Lord began to prompt me and push me. And I said, Lord, here's the deal. I'm comfortable being a good member and tithing and supporting the church and being a a good member for a good pastor. I will do that, Lord, but I don't want to do this. And the Lord began to wrestle with me. And he said, I said, all right, Lord, here's the deal. I'll take a Bible class if you would just let let me be. And in that moment, the Lord kind of stopped wrestling with me in that moment. And I said, "Okay, good. I, I got it. For 16 weeks. September 2008, I believe. September, two, August, September 2008. For 16 weeks on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I took a class called Biblical Interpretation. For 16 weeks, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, from 1 o'clock to 1.50, my teacher talked about Jonah. 16 weeks. Y'all, there are only four chapters in Jonah. For 16 weeks, three times a week, for one hour, I heard over and over how Jonah had to do what the Lord said, even though he ran. And at the end of those 16 weeks, I went to my advisor, changed my major, and said, Yes, Lord. Here's the reality what God wants to do in our lives will happen with or without us. What God wants to do in our lives will happen with our agreement or he will do it a difficult way and he will still perform his purposes in our lives. The Holy Spirit wants to prompt growth and change in us. And I know it's difficult. I know it's challenging. This is why Paul lays it out like this. He, he says in verse uh, 20 or 23, he says that those who are led by the Spirit, have nailed their passions to the cross of Jesus Christ. They understood that they are not able to do it on their own. It's difficult. It's challenging. But I'm willing to surrender that to God because I know he is able to perform the growth and change in my life. And some of you right now, you're battling. You are facing difficulty. And you want to throw in the towel. Here's the words of Galatians 6 and 9. Don't stop doing what is good. Don't get weary, as another version says, in well-doing. Because you will reap a harvest of blessings if you don't give up. Don't, I, I know it's frustrating that you take two steps forward and one back and you're trying to surrender and you're trying to get over your anger and trying to get over the difficulty. But the reality is that if you are willing to follow God and trust him and surrender to him, you will reap a harvest of what you plant. You will reap a harvest of the blessing. And the life transformation that the spirit is cultivating in your world. And I don't want you to get frustrated. Because change happens over time. Growth happens over time. And it it is seen more in our actions than our words. Growth happens over a period of time. Listen, you didn't start gossiping today, so don't think that your gossiping spirit is just going to go away in a moment. It's going to happen over time. You didn't just become an angry person. The Georgia Bulldogs did that to you, and it's going to—I'm kidding. (laughs) But you didn't just become an angry person. Getting over that is going to happen over time. And God does this, and and here's what's so good about our God. He is patient with us. And the Holy Spirit over time is developing and cultivating us into who he has created us to be. He's changing us from the inside out. He's making us into what he has already declared for us to be. And God is more concerned with our actions than our words. This is a discrepancy that shows up in the book of James. James chapter 2 and verse 1. They're having this argument about what matters more. Is it faith or is it works? And we are saved by faith. It's not our works that save us. But at the bottom of this verse, James says, I will show you my faith By my good works. He says, this is how I'm going to prove that God has really done the work in me, not by what I say, but what I do. And it won't happen overnight, but you will see God begin to transform you. You know, instead of waving at people the wrong way when they cut you off, you actually do wave at them with all five fingers. Right? Instead of responding with hostility, you notice that in that moment you responded with grace and you're wondering, man, if they met me four years ago, this would have been a different conversation. And that's what God is doing in your life. And here's, here's what we're all trying to do. We want to skip over steps and become this amazing thing and do the amazing things occasionally. And what God is saying, let me have your life consistently. And if you will do the small things consistently, if you will plant the seeds and allow me to change you little by little, you will see the transformation happen in your world. It's what God wants to do. The Holy Spirit has come to guide us. To guard us and to cultivate growth in our lives. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit has come to govern every area of our lives, come to govern every area of our lives. And I know, you know speaking about government, uh, we're tired of hearing about that right now. November 4th is probably going to be my favorite day. I'm any of y'all getting text messages. I am tired of those things. I found a solution, though. I told them, if you text me again, I'm voting for the other party, and they haven't texted me back. So, but whoever wins, whatever happens, government or man who governs, man or woman who governs, they can fail us. But there is one who wants to govern our lives who has never failed. There's one who wants to govern our lives who has never let us down. And I want to show you this picture, the way Paul was writing it, because sometimes when we translate it, English doesn't paint the picture as beautifully. Paul was using military language when he spoke these words. And what he was saying is that You have followed some of the orders, but I want you to get fully in line under the government of the Holy Spirit, that you've let them have pieces of your life, but you need to surrender every area of your life. You see, this is what we like to do. God, you can have my Sunday morning, but not my Facebook password. God, you can have my Sunday morning, but not my search history. God, you can have my Sunday morning, but my Fridays belong to me. And what God is saying, I want all of it. I want every aspect of it. And what you are trying to do on your own, the Holy Spirit can do better. This is what Paul is saying to the Galatian church is that the Holy Spirit has come like a flood, not to pick sides, but to take over our lives, to transform us into who God has created us to be. The Holy Spirit is all that we need to do what God has called us to do. Second Peter 1 and 3 says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for godly living. The Holy Spirit is what we need more than anything else today. In the Greek New Testament, the Holy Spirit is called a paraclete. The preposition para meaning alongside, kritos, coming from the Greek word kaleo, meaning one who comforts, one who strengthens. Now, we don't speak Greek. So maybe a paraclete isn't something that makes sense to us. But you have heard of a paragraph. And what a paragraph does is it brings order to chaos. And it marks the beginning of something new. And every now and then the Holy Ghost is a paragraph in our lives. When things are going crazy and chaos is around, he brings structure and order. And when we need a second chance, he will allow us to start anew. So maybe you don't know anything about a paraclete or a paragraph. But you have heard of a paraphraser. And what a paraphraser does is, if I say something one way, you say it another way, that is paraphrasing. And what the Holy Spirit will do is when we pray and when we don't know what to pray, this is what the scripture says, that the Holy Spirit will pray for us, knowing what we need. So maybe, again, you don't know what a paraclete is. But you have heard of a paramedic. And if you're riding in your car and you get into an accident, a paramedic will come and help you in your time of need. And when you've been wounded in life, the Holy Ghost is a paramedic who will treat your wounds and help you recover and heal from what has damaged you. And y'all, the Holy Ghost... That's how my grandmother used to say it. I know it says Holy Spirit, but my grandmother used to say the Holy Ghost is not only a paraclete and a paragraph and a paraphraser and a paramedic, but every now and then the Holy Ghost is a, a parachute. Is that where I'm flying around in life and the turbulence comes and knocks me out of the plane. If I pull the string of the parachute, it will catch me before I fall. And the Holy Ghost, When life's winds and waves come, will catch us before we fall. We'll not let that thing come and destroy us. will keep us. Y'all hear me. More than anything else today, we need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. More than anything else, Yes, we need provision. Yes, we need good government. Yes, we need all those things. But more than anything else, we need the Spirit of God to flood our lives, our homes, our cities, and our world. Acts chapter 2 says it, that it was like a mighty rushing wind that filled the house. And what we say is, God, do it again. God, we are available. God, we, we want to receive what you have for us. Today, we get to say, sing that prayer. Today, we get to declare those words in here. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to end today the, the same way we started in worship. But I want you to allow the words of the song to become a prayer for you. It says, God, I'm available. Fill me up. God, I'm available. Use me. God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. God, I surrender today to your Holy Spirit to do what you want to do. There's some of you today that the surrender looks like giving your life to Jesus. Today you got an opportunity to say yes to him. Say, Lord Jesus, change me. We're going to pray for you. There's others of you in this room who have encountered the Spirit of God before, who have been following his leading, but some of you are feeling dry and empty today. Today is a time of refreshing. Today is a moment that the Lord wants to breathe on you again, to flow like rivers and floods to wash away the pain and the guilt, the shame and regret, to fill you with something new, his spirit. Let's pray. God, we thank you and we bless you for this moment. We thank you for the opportunity we have to seek your face. God, we say we are available and we're here surrendering to you. God, for the person who needs to say yes to you, the person who needs to surrender their lives, I pray that today would be that day. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, save me. Change me. Forgive me of my sins. Make me into the person that you want me to be. I give my life to you. But God, right now I pray for the group of people in this room, for the group of people who are watching online at South Augusta, In our atrium, God, I pray that your spirit would rest on us again, that your Holy Spirit would flow through us again, that, God, we would be empowered by you. God, we pray for your spirit to guide our lives and our decisions. We pray for your spirit to guard us from things that are not like you. God, I pray that your spirit would develop us and cultivate growth in us, but God, we surrender to your lordship and your leadership. Govern every area of our lives. We are here for you. We surrender to you, God. Release your spirit on us again, God. Let it flow like never before and we receive your promises. We are available to you for your glory, for your honor. And for your goodness, in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen and amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.